Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast, a podcast where we talk about show business, old friends, and new adventures. I'm here with British actress Samantha Stevens, and we are talking about what it's like to live in a different country, pursue a career, and pursue a career in a very strange historical time. Of course, if you're listening years from now, we are going through a worldwide pandemic. The coronavirus has shut down all kinds of live and group events. And Samantha is over here in New York City trying to book gigs, but there are no gigs to book. So how does she keep herself busy? Let's find out. I like the hair in the pin curls like that. Thank you so much. It's it's that, <laughs> it is a look. Even that alone is part of the Monroe like aesthetic. Absolutely. And it is, it's so much. I can't believe this was like life for most women in pretty much from like the 20s onwards. It's a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast. I'm Michelle Bruckner and we're going to talk about show business, old friends, new adventures. Today, I'm here with a very special woman, Samantha Stevens. Hi, Samantha. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me on. Anytime. We actually met last week in New York on the Upper West Side, and we had a lovely lunch, and we talked about so many things. I'm hoping we can't recapture the exact conversation, but there were so many interesting points that we discussed. First things first, Samantha is here from England. So do you want to talk about your journey to New York City from, first of all, where are you from? London, outside of London? Tell us where you began your beautiful life and career. Okay, so here's the tea from England. Uh, I was actually born and raised in rugby, which is like it says, the sport, uh, which is the equivalent to American football. And it is where the game was created in rugby. So that's my tiny little town's claim to fame. Um, But it's about 40 minutes outside of London. So it's like living in Queens in comparison to to New York. Um, So London was a very regular trip for me. And I moved to London when I was 18. And that's when I really felt like I was kind of home. It was the same year that I first came to New York City as well uh, on vacation and I totally fell in love but it was always a dream. I was like this is just where I'm going to be for vacation. I love it so much but how could it ever be home? Um, And then cut to almost 10 years later almost and um, I had ended a long-term relationship with my boyfriend at the time who was American but lived in London and it was almost like the universe had pointed me in the direction of New York again and I said okay I've got to make this work and things in my career had kind of been slowing down in London I knew I wanted a change um, and I came on vacation to New York for two weeks by myself and I stayed in like an Airbnb and I tried to kind of see what real life would be like in New York. And I knew, yeah, this is definitely where I wanted my life to be. 
I wasn't living like a vacation right now and it still felt great. And I came back and that week was the annual audition that AMDA had in London. So again, the universe just keeps telling me that I think this is where I need to go. And I applied to AMDA, which I had actually looked at when I was 16 and in performing arts college in Stratford-upon-Avon. And at the time, my mom was like, we can't, there's no way that's going to happen. Like, I'm really sorry. So I'd already had at the school, applied. Uh, the audition was great. And then, you know, six weeks later, I got the, the message to say I would got a place. So then it was a chaotic eight months of trying to raise money, save money, work, um, do shows, find a sponsor, all this great stuff. And everything just landed in place. And there I was on a plane to New York uh, in September 2016, which was a very interesting time for the world. <laughs> I can't believe it's that long ago because we worked together at school. You were always a lovely student. And one of the ones that I just knew had that extra special stage presence. I just, all my students are wonderful, but there are definitely a few that stand out in terms of work ethic, talent, dedication, everything. And you had that whole package. I think we had ballet class together. Did we also have tap? We didn't. And I really wanted you for tap every semester I was praying I was just gonna get you for tap and have finally have showgirl tap but I had showgirl ballet and that was wonderful too oh thank you <laughs> well you are wonderful since you left school since graduation what has life been like interesting you know I'm sure everybody that's living in America can say the last four years have been interesting and especially as an international student trying to then go into a visa to secure my place here uh, was interesting so I spent the first nine months working on my visa I wanted to make sure I had all the paperwork correct I didn't want to skip any loopholes I didn't want to skip any steps um, so I really focused on that I did audition and things were okay but nothing fell into place and I think there was a reason for that. Uh, there was nothing to secure my visa at that point. So I didn't want to walk into a room and promise somebody that I could work when I didn't know for certain that I could. So I'm glad I spent the time and the money with the lawyers. It all paid off and I had a pretty speedy acceptance. Acceptance is probably not the right word. <laughs> um, approval. And uh, the only thing that I kind of did in that time was create work for myself. I worked on a few workshops that I was very lucky to be part of. Um, but in terms of actual performance, I thought if no one's going to cast me in a show right now, then I'm going to write a show. So I wrote a parody on The Handmaid's Tale um, and with everything that was going on with abortion and the government at the time, it just felt really relevant. And um, yeah, we ended up performing it twice in Times Square and picked up a couple of investors and producers as well. So again, just luck, time, people that you know and the universe put that into place. So that's what I did um, before kind of getting my artist visa. That's fantastic. I like the fact that you don't wait around for other people to give you a job. You create these opportunities 
And I think to all of the listeners out there, the more you can create your own opportunities, it just makes you visible. It makes people know that you're out there. It invites other people to want to work with you. For sure. And I think as any artist, we have so much creative energy that we need to use. And I think it's a wonderful way of expressing that energy. Something will come out of it, whether it's just you learn something about yourself or you do end up with a show that goes somewhere. Um, But it makes the hard part of the industry about going to an audition, five auditions every day and not getting a job. It makes that a lot easier because you already have something going on. I completely agree. Yeah. And one of the reasons I have this podcast now is because I felt that same feeling of having this energy and needing a place, especially in this time, while we are still in kind of a shutdown mode with coronavirus, I needed a place to put it. And I needed to, I just needed to speak through all of these stories of all my friends and coworkers and everything. I'm certainly glad that you came on today because you have a very interesting perspective. England just went through Brexit, correct? Correct. In the past, if you belonged to the European Union, you could also work in England as a performer. And now I don't think that's the case anymore. Is that right? Or is everything just separated again? Correct. So unfortunately, we have um, separated from the rest of Europe. And I'm sure as many liberals will agree and feel here it's the same in England. So a lot of the more democratic liberal people within England really wanted to remain for many reasons, but a lot of those people are also artists. So now you have to get a visa to work anywhere else other than England and vice versa for everyone in Europe. If they wanna come and work in the West End or come to a a music concert uh, as a, a musician and perform, then yes, you need a visa. So that obviously has a lot of trickle down ripple effects and puts a lot more money on companies that now have to pay and do all this extra paperwork for everybody that's going to be working for them. And it does mean that a lot of artists are not going to have the opportunity to perform in Europe purely because of a a money thing and the visa thing. So it's a real, real shame. I have something I want to put out into the universe. You know, the Disney company, you can purchase this fast pass and you can go to the front of the lines and ride on all their attractions. I suggest to the universe that artists get a fast pass So we get a special passport that says we're a performing artist and we get to perform. Let's minimize all of this red tape because wouldn't it be nice if we could just go to any country we wanted and do a show and then go somewhere else and do a show or do a film? I am just putting that out there, universe. We need an artist fast pass. Global. Thank you. Let's speak it into existence. It sounds fantastic. (laughs) Right now you're getting ready to do a photo shoot. So let's tell the audience you've developed this really beautiful, intriguing project called Monroe Moments. Is that the correct title of this project? Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure I had it right. Tell everybody what you've been up to. So I am an old soul and I have always loved classic Hollywood and all the stars. Marilyn Monroe has been an inspiration since I can remember Everything about her, I think she's an icon in style, in presence. And her story is really 
tragic and heartbreaking, um, but also has lots of lovely, beautiful, exciting moments in it. One day, <laughs> who knows when, during this 2020 uh, journey, um, I was asked to do a photo shoot as Marilyn. And I said, sure, why not? Let's do it. This will be fun. I played her a couple of times in London in small shows. So I knew I knew how the curls had to be set and how the, the red lips had to be drawn. And then I think the day after, purely out of boredom, um, I was watching some films. I was watching Let's Make Love, which is a 1960 Monroe movie. And I was like, oh, I have a sweater that's kind of similar to the one she has when she's singing My Heart Belongs to Daddy. And I took a few photos and then I did uh, a short little lip sync uh, and just threw it on Instagram and thought, hey, let's see what happens. Over the next week, I kind of had a lot of positive uh, reaction from people, uh, family, friends, and they were like, you should do this again. Or how, how did you do your hair like that? That's really cool. So I just thought, okay, well, this gives me a reason once a week to put on makeup <laughs> and to do my hair and not wear, uh, gym clothes and do something. So then I, if I'm going to do something, I like it to be for a purpose. And the next following Tuesdays just kind of so happened to be momentous dates in history where something cool happened for Monroe. I think a couple of Tuesdays later, it was uh, that day where they had filmed the iconic subway scene with the white dress and the train going by and her skirt blowing up. And, you know, I'm in Manhattan, so I thought, this is silly if I don't take advantage of this day. Uh, It was like 60... 60 something years prior that it happened and kind of recreate this moment. Um, So it all started out as just Instagram, taking a few photos, trying to give a little bit of backstory to what this quote unquote moment was. And everything has kind of been building up and getting more exciting. And then New Year, I just thought, let's do another layer to this. Let's add something new. So I've kind of turned it into a blog and I'm adding a lot more history, backstory and information to it. So it's not just a couple of photos and and some emojis below it. That is super fun. Where can people find this? Can you give us the address of it? Yep. So it's www.monroemoments.com. Excellent. I can't wait to check it out. And you can subscribe, right? People can subscribe to the blog. For sure. Yeah. You just drop your email in. And uh, as it says, you'll never miss a moment. (laughs) Oh, I love that. (laughs) That is clever. That's clever. And it's fun. You know, I think a lot of us have learned to make our own fun during this last year. And especially with the the tumultuous political landscape that I don't even want to get into because happy days are coming and I'm looking, I'm focusing on that. I'm focusing on finding some healing to this nation and bringing people together and supporting everyone that's been kind of uh, stomped upon these last couple of years. But anyway, I think we've learned to create things that don't cost money. And we've learned to just enjoy time with our loved ones and enjoy time with ourselves too. Amen. I have spent a lot of time alone this lockdown. And I have to say, there's a part of me that has really reconnected with my dreams and my deep self. I realized how much needless running around I was doing in the name of 
hustle. Agreed. I can definitely say I've been <laughs> been doing that too this last year. So living in New York, I'm sure you get a little bit homesick for family and friends. And once this uh, lockdown is over, I'm sure you are able to go back and forth and visit. But do you feel like you have a good support system here in New York and a good friend group that you can have as your New York family? I do. And strangely enough, I have a lot of Brit here (laughs) that are like my family, my home away from home. So I think having those people and those British families in my life definitely give me a comfort so I don't get that sense of homesick sickness but Americans have definitely welcomed me with open arms and everyone has been so kind maybe it's the accent I don't know but I feel like I have a wonderful support network here who are family and feel like family even though I've only known them maybe two three years so I'm very very grateful to my Brit and to my Americans that's great and have you seen a lot of the other parts of the country yet I haven't and I really really want to it was going to be something that I was going to do in 2020 was going to go have short weekends uh in in places I've never been to DC I've never been to Connecticut and these are places that are next door I am a typical Brit I have been to New York to Florida (laughs) to Vegas and that is it so yes I'm excited to see the beauty of this country because there's so many other amazing places like I didn't know there was mountains the other side of the country and you know it's it's cool it's a really cool country and you have a job coming up in the south don't you I do yes I booked kinky boots at the arts at arts center at Hilton Head in South Carolina so that is TBC but hopefully uh in the late spring summer of this year I think it will happen Evan Pappas is directing correct he is and uh Jean Contenti is choreographing so it's a nice little Amda family uh two people that I had hadn't actually been talked by at Amda but obviously had heard of and lots of wonderful things. So I'm very excited to actually get to work with them. Fantastic. We were talking at lunch last week about the difference in New York and London in terms, I was asking you about the West End because my really good friend, Larry Blank works often in London. He loves it there. He says it's like New York in the sixties. And you were talking about how you, you like it, but there's just a little bit of a difference. So do you want to explain your perception of that difference to our listeners? For sure. New York is always going to be top dog. And I think once you have experienced Broadway, very hard to love somewhere else as much. But don't get me wrong, the West End is incredible and it's still a fantastic community of performers and you will always go and see a wonderful show. But I got spoiled with Broadway and I came back to the West End and I remember watching a show and just thinking there's an energy an unspeakable electric energy that is missing here. And you can't quite pinpoint what it is because I'm not disregarding anybody's talent in the West End, but there's just something different in New York. And I always feel the same way when I watch a play here in New York, and then I go and watch a play in London. And I I sit in, uh, in a theater in New York and I go, there's something missing in the electric energy in a play 
in America. So I feel like, you know, New York, Broadway, they do the musicals and over in the West End, we have some wonderful, wonderful plays. Who knows what that specific is, but if you've been to both, I'm sure you will probably understand that energy that's that's different. Yes, definitely. Samantha, what is your big dream? What would you place yourself in if you were casting, if you were a director who got to handpick you as the actress? What is your ideal show? Well, what blonde girl deny the fact that she would love to ride the bubble one day of Wicked? Um, It would be a lie if I did not say I would love to be Glenda one day and um, don the dresses and get to speak the iconic lines, whether it be in a British accent or um, or an American. So that will speak into existence because it's currently happening. Uh, but there's been rumors on on the uh, on the circuit that Smash, which is the Marilyn TV show uh, with the musical Bombshell, is going to come to Broadway. So I think if I was going to cast. <laughs> I think I might throw myself in there for a for a part. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Speaking of your blonde hair, I think this platinum color is divine on you. Read uh, listeners, when she came walking up to the restaurant, first of all, we were brave and we sat outside in January and it was cold. <laughs> Last weekend. It was cold. It was cold. (laughs) But she came walking up in this gorgeous coat, beautiful boots, and this platinum hair. So who does your hair? Because they do a wonderful job. I have an excellent team at the Mark Ryan Salon in Manhattan. It's on uh, West 20th. And um, beautiful lady called Katie. She's Australian. Uh, A wonderful, wonderful colorist and stylist. She Uh, is my number one hair and then my number two is a guy called Alex and he is also phenomenal so both of them I trust with my life (laughs) I put my hair into their hands and I know it's going to be good wonderful and let's just talk fashion just for a second I've noticed you seem to have a palette of neutral colors have you, is that something that you did by choice? Is that something as you're developing and curating your wardrobe, did you just want to go for that clean look of like, you don't do monochrome. I noticed you wear a lot of pink, but you're definitely, you're not all over the map in terms of like rainbows. You wear a lot of like creamy colors. So what made you decide to go that way? Um, Definitely testing and my 20s, I've been all around the block with colors and patterns and style. Um, I've always liked a slightly vintagey feel and a classic feel, but I'm starting to get a little bit older and I feel like I can't, you know, wear as many crazy colors and patterns. Um, Of course you can, but I feel like I want to set the tone of my wardrobe as, as me as well. I think whites and creams just kind of look good on my skin tone, but I don't want to look like I'm a walking bridal poster. <laughs> so uh, I tend to go for a bit more creams. I just think it's a classic color. It can go for any season. Um, it works in every piece, whether it be a, a suit or a dress or pants and a top. I just think it's really flexible color. It goes with everything. And I don't like red wine. So I never have to worry about red wine spills. Yes, that is a good point. But I do have a tip for the listeners. If you put salt, as soon as you spill red wine on something, the salt will soak it up. 
but you got to act fast. Yeah. And I usually don't wear white if I'm sipping on a glass of red wine. Very sensible. I'm going to remember that tip for sure. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know how I learned that? I did a catering job one time way back when, and a guest at this party spilled a glass of red wine in this person's house. And the head caterer just dumped a whole thing of salt on it and got the stain out right away. But it it was like instantaneous action. And I remember that going forward. I was like, wow, that was, I just learned something on this little gig. So that's cool. I love that. That is great. Definitely something everyone needs to remember for sure. (laughs) Hopefully your kinky boots will come soon. And then you're just going to take it as it comes or are you going to work towards maybe doing some film work as things start filming again in New York? I'll always roll with the punches and see what happens. Um, I'm applying for whatever comes my way and I think is appropriate. I would love to do film and TV, but I definitely feel like I'm a novice and I need to learn a lot more. So I've been taking class and trying to just get comfortable with being in front of a camera. And I think that's something that we all have had to get used to since uh, last March. So, yeah, if it's a film, it's if it's a TV show, if it's a podcast, if it's a theater, a live piece, um, I'm down to play with whatever medium is there. Great. And are you looking for representation now or do you have an agent and management team right now? I currently have an agent for commercials and voiceover. So I work with Innovative and they are fantastic. Sure. A lit agent would also be amazing too, but I trust the universe and everything comes in its right time. Great. Great. So if anybody is an agent or works for an agency... Yeah, Samantha is available to work with you in the legit department and the theatrical department. So give her, you know, subscribe to Monroe Moments and contact her and you get to see her work. I just want to say, do you have um, to close this podcast up for today? Do you have any advice you want to give any international student or British young performer who wants to come to New York. What do you, um, is there anything that you learned that you want to pass on to someone who's thinking about doing what you're currently doing? Don't give up on your dreams. And that is time. You don't have to be 21 and make the jump across the pond. I didn't do it till I was 26 and I still feel young and I still feel like I have many, many years ahead of me. Learn as much as you can because making this jump is tricky. And you also do have to have work behind you and in front of you on both sides uh, of the pond. So work as much as you can, take the opportunities that come in front of you, never say no. And one thing that I will, that I remember being in a masterclass in London with Time Daily. And she said to me, or she said to us, you never know who you know. And that has always stuck with me because we don't know who we know. So just be a kind human to everybody because you don't know if that human is going to be able to help you one day or just become a great friend and a person in your support network. So say yes to everything. 
be a kind person, try and get as much under your belts as you can and work with a lawyer. (laughs) If you're going to make the jump, work with a lawyer. It's worth every penny that you spend. And I'm so glad you did that because we both know a few people who just let their paperwork slide. And unfortunately, it costs them the ability to stay here. So Paperwork is, I'm not a fan. Trust me. I have to like, my accountant really kind of hates me just because (laughs) I, (laughs) I'm like the laziest girl in terms of paperwork, but it has to be done. (laughs) Yeah, it has to be done. And um, I'm really proud of you for being so on top of that because you know what? It just shows me that you really want to be here in New York and you really want to work. And I think that that is only going to be a strength factor for you. It's only going to be something that um, helps you now and in the future. I hope so. (laughs) Thank you so much, Samantha, for being here. Samantha Stevens, I hope that the world gets to know you like we do. And I hope they get to love you like we all do. Showgirl, thank you so, so, so much for having me on. And I'm so glad that the universe crossed our paths because you are wonderful. Many thanks to Samantha Stevens for spending time with us on the Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast. Listeners, if you're liking this podcast, I humbly request that you rate it and review it on iTunes. It really helps out the podcast. And if you ever have any listener questions, you can send me an email, showgirltipoftheday at gmail.com. I am going to do an episode next week with some listener questions, and also we're going to talk about the business of show business. We are not just performers. We are publicists, marketing experts, and now with social media, we can do so much on our own. There's new exciting times ahead. We want to make sure we are ready with all your materials, headshots, etc., etc. The Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast has original music composed by Joshua Holloway. Find him on YouTube, Joshua Holloway Music. This podcast is written by Michelle Bruckner and edited by Michelle Bruckner and Joshua Holloway. Find me on Instagram, Showgirl Tip of Day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Oh,